Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Landscurve. Once again, if you do not see us on social media, you can always go to landscurve.com. Landscurve.com. We're also on Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and TuneIn. They're not live there, but within a 24-hour period, I have each show uploaded there. But we go live on Facebook, Twitter, Rumble. You can go to Rumble. Rumble's the move. But um, X, everywhere, damn it. <laughs> I just want to say how happy and how glad I am to be here. Gina G., Terry Spees, 49, welcome. I always catch everybody early on when they come into the chat room. Tracy J in the house, much love, good seeing you. But after a while, I do understand, and I say this for every show because you'll hear it on a redundant level. Like, okay, we know you're focusing on the talk, but after the first few moments and I say, hey, I'm going to focus in, don't think I'm ignoring you when you come in. It's just that I just want to focus on the flow. That's all it is. But... Before I get into the topic, I just want to say spiritual warfare is real. And I'm not just saying that to sound cool or saying it to sound like I'm some guru. But you know that I'm up in the isolated mountains and I isolate myself even more. Am I a weirdo? No. But I'm really getting into this thing where I'm listening to my spirit. You see, that voice, that inner voice that speaks to me. And I don't hear an actual voice, so don't think I'm bananas. And maybe there are some people who do, so I can't knock you. But that inner voice that is like an inner GPS system. And I find that it's enhanced more when I have a period or a longer stretch of... I'll say isolation, but that sounds too harsh, but just being to oneself with no distractions whatsoever. You do what you want to do anytime. Like my house chores, right? My part of it that I do, I might get up three o'clock in the morning after laying down 11 and start doing them. I don't have to do it nine or 10. If I want to take a walk, and it's sun going down, sun coming up, or four in the morning, whatever time, I'll do it. It brings me back to the days when I was a competitive bodybuilder and I would listen to my body. You had to have a certain regimen when training your body, but a lot of it was instinctive. And the best athletes, I'll say, not just bodybuilders, are the ones who listen to, the, to their body. But now it's on a whole different level where you listen to the spirit. Yes, Tracy J, spiritual warfare heightens when you are on your purpose. Excellently said. I couldn't have said it any better. Wow, Tennessee's cold out there, huh? But I'm glad you're off in your home and warm, Terry. But this is an extreme because, you know, I'm a New York City dude. And no matter where I live or lived in America, I had that New York mentality, not what people say is rude, because 
I can be rude. <laughs> I can be real rude. I can out rude the rude people. But that's not my wiring. That's an acquired skill from the environment that I, I grew up in. Oh, God, here we go. Lots of thunder. So if, if for some reason, I'm saying this now to those who are here, if for some reason the power blinks and knocks me out, I'll get back on the show on my phone. Because that happens sometimes. But it has been happening recently. And um, far less than when I was in my prior dwelling. But yeah, when I, up in the mountains, in nature, away from these weirdo spiritual energies. I'm going to talk on this for a second. Today's topic is 10 traits of highly insecure men. We're going to get on that. But, and beyond. But something's telling me to say this whatever reason. So if you're here for this and you say, hey, he's not talking about that, but that's how we do here. But I can prove to you, if you don't understand it, how being with yourself in the righteous, necessary isolation is, is mandatory, right? So whenever I spend a good amount of time to myself in nature now, it doesn't mean I have to be outside in the bushes. I can be on the balcony and just chilling right there. Whenever I go into town, the hustle and bustle, the odd spirits that you observe and spot, whether you know them or not, and you have a heightened sense. Okay, to compare it, if you don't understand it, say you're working a job and you're off for two days. Hopefully, it's not just a one day here and a one day there. You know, when they split days off, that sucks. But when you have two days off and that particular weekend, you didn't have a lot of running around to do outside. It was a good weekend because the things you did from the week before covered you. You did your food shopping. You did your house cleaning. And you're a little fatigued. Not much, but a little fatigued. And now you're inside. And you slept, not late, but you slept an extra hour or two and you laid there. You had the chance to luxuriate. You didn't have anything to do that day. And you got up and maybe got something to eat and showered and had a chance to sit by a patio or a balcony or if you have a yard, wherever the peaceful place is in your home. And you said to yourself, you know, I don't have anything to do today. And I love it. I'm just going to sit here. You need that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to get a, a generator. Yes. But I want to get a, a specific type. And I have that and solar and the regular light like I do now. All in time. No rush. I'm not even really into. Well, I'm into all of that stuff. But right now. It's just a relaxation thing. Let me sit in and climb in the mountain. Let me look over on the cliff while we take a break and enjoy the view. Because my thing is to get away from this sense of urgency that living in a uh, urban area brings to you. I want to be like the animals. And we say, because we're animals too on a high level, right? always say it. A deer doesn't have a fridge. They say, hey, you know, I got to bring some food home to put in the fridge. They get up and their food is out there. And, and they, they, they look good. Nice coat. They're full. 
Every animal out there doesn't have a way of storage, but yet they eat. But what about us? We have means of storage, but we have to go out there and work to bring. That's a tension that you want to get out of in the matrix. Everybody can't do it right away. I understand that. But that should be a goal. Instead of the goal of, I want to get a Bentley one day, and I have to have this mansion one day, and I have to have this superstardom one day to fill voids that that YouTube can't fill. You know? Yeah, yeah. I've been researching brands, and that will happen very, very soon. But up here, it doesn't blink out that much. Imagine I just said that, boop, and it blinks out, right? Let me not talk too soon. But um, when you go to work from those two days off of solitude where you didn't have to do as much in your personal life, nobody really dropped by, you notice that when you go back to work, whatever kind of job you do, because it usually is going to involve other people, you have this heightened sense. It's like I'm seeing right through people. Not that I'm seeing everybody's bad and you have to see right through them, but you see their spirit, not with your eye, but you can see in an abstract way their intentions. You can see what they want. You can see what they're all about. You see? And you can see it so clear. Now, by the time Friday rolls around and you know you might have something to do that weekend, just like something you have to do, like, oh, I got to cut the lawn, I got to do this, got to pay some bills. You pretty much have your filters clogged a little more. I'm not saying that you're weak and your filters get clogged. And No, no, I'm not saying that. But you're out there. You're rubbing up with these spirits. They have their intentions. And to me, Let's just say you're vibrating at 100% from within, right? Not, not the fake, I'm feeling good and I'm vibrating at 100% and you're hollow inside. Not, 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 not the superficial world stuff. And you get around people who are vibrating at 12% and 8% of positivity, but 90 something percent with negativity, with, with being a leech, with being a predator. With, with they're looking to get from you, take from you, knock you down because you're shining so high, you're going to feel it. So this is why you have to remove yourself from the presence of these entities and you don't have to know them. They don't have to be in your personal life. Now I look back at the times when I took public transportation in New York City, riding the subway, pushed up against all these people. You see what I mean? All of these desires, all of these idiosyncrasies, all of this toxic stuff and the good stuff, the good people. But there's more who are not in control of their destiny or know the spiritual healing they needed. So it's like a runaway train. So you have the weight of all of this dysfunction, the weight of all of these people who on the outside, how you doing? I'm okay. No, they're not okay. Not that I don't want them to be okay. So your battery, I'm going to talk about that. Something about the spiritual battery, right? This all comes from the heart, y'all. This is not like I read a book or I went to the school or whatever. It's all instinct. It's all intuition. I feel it. I know it. It's like when I take the pen to paper and draw something. It's not like, well, I have to put the ink one inch over and it, 
No, I flow with the feeling of what I see to do to put the lighting or the shading to give you the appearance of something three-dimensional. Intuitive. But most of us are running away from being intuitive and trusting in our intuition. And we're pulled away. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a whole different show, right? Let me, get, let me get right to what I have to do because I'll probably take an hour and come back with this other thing that I want to talk about. Because yesterday, so much within was revealed and is helping me to navigate. And I have individuals close to me in my life that help me to guide a certain way. And for those who are, I want to thank you all for taking the time to elevate me, to let me see how much I have inside of me and what I have to do and keeping me in line. I'm pretty much in line, but on the highest levels, one little mistake, like a championship boxing match will end you up in a knockout. See? So when you go higher in your intuition, the stakes are higher because you're that much more of a threat to the lower entities that your light shines on them. And they don't want that because they want to operate in an anonymous way. You see? Let me shut up. <laughs> Let me shut up. And you're right, Tracy. America has the worst work culture in the world. We hear of other countries having two-hour and three-hour lunch breaks. We're like, what? <laughs> they don't complain and they have longevity. Insecure men. Insecure men. I was going to do the title of this particular segment a different way about babysitting insecure men, avoiding insecure men. I said, no, I don't want to do it that way. It didn't sound right. It was a little longer, creative. I like to do creative titles, right? But this one was straight with no, with no chaser. 10 traits of highly insecure men. That's it. That's it, because we'll cover those things. And again, it's not going to be a five-hour show. It's not going to be a 15-minute show. We'll see. I didn't put my water near me, so there's going to be a point that I'm going to have to go and sip some water. It may take 90 seconds to go and get it. <laughs> so my throat's a little dry now, but I'm going to start. Right? You're actually babysitting a man who is highly insecure that you deal with. I'm speaking from experience and I'm speaking from my intuition. The closer the insecure man is to you, the more you're going to have to have a role in dealing with it without confrontation or checking them because being around a very insecure man is draining to any situation. Now, let me clarify. Everyone has some type of healthy insecurity and hopefully by the time that you get older, on a chronological sense, you are reducing those insecurities. Say, for example, you're a lady who, you know, you're a teenager, and we know that those are the times that we start checking ourselves because we're coming into another period of adolescence, and 
you know, the hormones start hitting us and the male-female roles start hitting us and we start to look at each other and, you know, the guys will see a guy with muscular arms and say, man, I need to go to the gym. Okay, that's healthy at that point. Or, you know, a young lady may say, oh, look at all these slender girls around here. I'm a little, little too heavy for my frame. And that's something that's wrong because with our sisters, where they have hips and, and, and you know, the thighs, and no way should you try to emulate some little twiggy, pale, two-dimensional backside built like Gumby type situation. But, you know, we go through all of these changes. And so as you get older and you rise up in how you see yourself and you understand that, well, at this point in my life, I'm a provider for my children, whether you have a husband or not. And I, that, that, that's irrelevant in this. I'm trying to prove a point. And so you're working a lot. You're not stressed out. But you see that, man, put on a few pounds. It doesn't bother you at that point in life as much as it did when you were in adolescence being introduced eventually into adulthood, not knowing what this thing was all about. You say, okay, I got a few extra pounds. But you know what? I provide for my children. I'm a stable person. On a spiritual level, I'm advanced. I could always, you know, I'll focus on that when I do but I have value that doesn't define me. You see? So there's a more overall view. As far as men are concerned, it's the same thing. I have friends of mine and we talk about our former insecurities and how we got over it. We have good conversations like that because we can be honest with each other. But there's a certain type of man. Yes, there are insecure women, but we're focusing on the insecure man. You know, what's the term? Surgical precision. When I go in on a topic, like that thin slice of cake that I take out for the big cake, but it's so thin, it can't stand. It falls. Now, this conversation is not going to fall. Or monologue is not going to fall. But it's not some broad thing. I like to be very specific when I speak on something because I've had a lot of life experience with stuff in comparison to the amount of books I've read. This is not a book thing because this is a life thing. 10 traits of highly insecure men. Insecure men, when it's out of control, when they didn't get to that point of maturity to understand their worth, some haven't. And it's not a one size fits all thing. Oh, you're an insecure man because this insecure man, letter A, in this exhibit, compared to insecure man, letter B, it's two different levels of insecurity. And the insecurity can be amplified in one area over the other. Some dudes are extremely insecure about their bodies. Some dudes are insecure about their penis size. Some guys or insecure about the size of their bank account. They don't give a damn about the penis because that makes up for it in other ways. <laughs> you know what I mean? In a way they attract different people. Like, oh, he has money. We don't care about his penis size. But if you broke, a lot of guys will depend on the penis size even more because they don't have anything going on with themselves. And you'd be surprised at the amount of men out here, ladies, because I'm speaking to the ladies and all respect due to the men here, but this is a surgical precision type of thing. 
because the ladies, they understand when I speak about, you know, <laughs> speak about the women that I don't mean it's everybody, but we all know those types. So we have different types of insecurities. Sometimes we have multiple types of insecurities within us after they should have fallen off from us like a useless husk. I like using that term, a useless husk. <laughs> Next time somebody is trying to curse you out or fight with you or fuss with you and you're done with them, just tell them, don't have anything to say to me. You have no value to me. Just fall off like a useless husk. <laughs> Something gripping you around you, it just falls off. It's no purpose to you anymore. You useless husk. <laughs> it's like the other term that I use, and I don't know where it came from. Are people telling you stuff that's really irrelevant or not elevating you, and you want to be sarcastic, and you want to be a little stinging in it. It's like, listen, when they come around you with the gossip, when they come around you with stupidness, I said, listen, I don't need to hear you today because you're a minister of useless information. Imagine that, a minister of useless information. <laughs> I'm sorry to be laughing. <laughs> like a comedian telling a joke, and he's cracking up and the whole audience is looking at him. Nah, but that tickles me in a way. I can't deal with it. And when you have these insecure men in your presence, they always have to make you feel the weight of their insecurity. But they also try to mask it and they also try to sometimes feign confidence. But they overshoot all the time. See? It's like when they're training you with weaponry. Say you have a Glock in your hand. And they're teaching you how to use this weapon. You anticipate the bullet coming out of the gun. So, so, so you lean into it thinking that as you squeeze the trigger, you know, you're supposed to just squeeze and keep it right there and the gun will buckle back a second let it fall down poof, poof. you don't sit there and as you shoot try to punch because you're going to balance it out with, no you're going to go off target the very sensitive things the very intricate things that in human nature we may not understand early on but when you're highly intuitive and in touch with yourself and I'm glad I spoke about that having your filters clean and being into yourself. Yeah, you can say it and don't let anybody try to make you feel bad about it. Oh, you all into yourself. Yes, I am. Because that's all I have starting out. Whatever you bring into my life, you can take it away. So I'm not going to lean on that aspect of things. I have the mental, the physical, and the spiritual and a combination of all of them, like a tripod, you're not going to be one leg of my tripod and pull yourself away and I'm going to fall. Women mostly say this, but men go through this too. You're in a relationship with someone and they break up with you abruptly and you thought everything was okay. And you realize that we're talking about some relationship that lasted years and went deep. Not with some dude you met at the club two weeks ago. If you get into it that deep, something's wrong with you. I hate to say terms like something's wrong with you, but come on, y'all. You can like them. You can think the best, you could, but it takes time. Sorry. But somebody you were in a real relationship with and you find out that they were with somebody else and, and 
that hurts you and you are still like, well, maybe we could work it out. You know, I mean, sometimes people make mistakes. I mean, you might have been in the military and you were there for four years stationed somewhere. And come on now. I'm not saying that I know men who, and women who have dealt with that type of distance. What I'm trying to say is that you find yourself like that tripod, that three-legged thing that holds up a camera. But one of the legs are taken away, begin to fall. And it makes it even worse that you realize that you depended on many ways, even if you didn't depend on a man financially, but emotionally. You didn't seek to do your own self-care, to do your own therapy, whether it involves someone else or not. You leaned on them and they were strong where you were weak, but they left you. And they knew that you depended on them. They didn't try to say ahead of time, let's try to work on things. This may not be working out. I'll be here, you know, whatever. Nobody does that. They just leave. And now you found that you left, you, you lost yourself, your sense of self. You don't even know who you are anymore in these extreme conditions. And I can say that maybe all of us have gone through that. Um, it doesn't have to be a person. Most of the time it is. That's what I'm focusing on. It could be a job that you were on for a long time and you were really into it and you were doing good. But you got into it with a coworker who was secretly related to one of the uh, administrative people and they fired you. Now you're looking around at home. You know you're qualified to get a, a good job again. But you usually say, well, you know, around 1030, we start trying to figure out what we're going to eat for lunch. And then we go to lunch and they, you start calling a job and you lost yourself to a point. It's good to get into things outside of yourself, but never lose who you are. Because there's always that one person who will try to pull that leg from under the tripod and break it off. And you have no choice but to fall. You see? Yes, what's annoying is when a man isn't into you, but still in a relationship with you. You know something? They're there with you, getting all of the amenities of your, your body, your, your finances, your care, your energy, and the security and stability of being with you, but they're not there with you. And they're looking to leap ship, to jump ship at what they may think in their limited, immature mind is a better opportunity. And people do that. They leapfrog. Oh, this situation's better. She makes more money. Oh, oh, she got a better butt. Oh, you don't know what you're leaping into. It could be a facade to attract you into their toxic world. You never know. No time is an artificial construct, but take time. You see? But insecure men will will make you pay for their insecurities. What you what they're insecure about, you're guilty of. They were attracted to you because you look good. You may not have been some model on a cover or whatever have you. Even the models on the cover are not models on the cover. When I used to drive a Lincoln Town car back in 1998 for a short time for different uh two different limousine companies, but I didn't drive the limousine. I drove a Lincoln Town car and they had corporate accounts. 
There was no money exchange. You go pick somebody up. Just had vouchers. Maybe it's not like that in the smaller cities, but in bigger cities, it's like that. So if you work for a certain company, right, and you had to work late and you're going home at 1230 in the morning, you're not going to take the subway. You're not going to take the bus. You're not even going to take a cab. They have these services that these big companies, they pay you depending on how, you know, where. So the employee comes down with a voucher. You're already summoned to go there. The voucher has the time you fill it out. They sign it. Okay, this is, you know, how long it took and where I took you to. And that's your money at the end of the week that you turn in. You see what I mean? So there's no exchange of cash. But in that, I've gotten a chance to see even through the conversations that I overheard, these are highly successful people. And I would hear the conversation. I mean, you're in the Lincoln Tower course, airtight. You can't help but talk when they're talking, not even at a normal uh, pitch, but even higher. I said, wow. Look at these people who work for these six figures. We're talking about back in the 90s when six figures were even more. But, you know, it wasn't as much inflation. But Everybody has issues. And I don't mean to throw off on anybody here to say, oh, you all have issues. Hopefully, whatever issues we had is reduced. But the issue is less today than it was yesterday. Right? So getting back to the insecure men. I don't know why. I, I lost my trend of thought. I was sort of talking about why I was driving. It'll come back to me. That's why I tried to clean it up and ease out of it. <laughs> when I'm flowing, that happens sometime. But, um, oh, you still got that. Okay. Gina G, yeah. Okay, so you know, you know. What was the name of the company? Um, one was Empire, which was an older company, and they had more established accounts. And the other one was a young company that really dealt with the um, entertainment, music, more so music industry. And as I was speaking to someone the other day, I said, yeah, okay, um, Noriega from Capone Noriega. I dropped him home one day. Um, uh, Earl de Pearl Monroe, he was living in Jersey. I had to go pick him up and bring him back to, in the city. Funk Master Flex, you know, I, I spent a whole week with him because they were doing something for Hot 97 and I had to pick up all of these people who were known and unknown, but I knew him, you know, and I didn't know him, but I'm just saying, I knew him from just him being famous. Who else? Who else? Some people, oh, Gina G, you're in New York City, so I don't know. I think it's closed up now. Models. Remember, remember the sports store where they had all the jerseys and uh, football shoes with cleats, basketball, you know, weights, different stuff like that. Models. They had stores all over the city. I, I, I think it was just a New York City thing. Maybe they expanded, but it was a New York City thing. And, um, oh, ho, ho, small world. <laughs> yeah, I drove them. You know, and when you drive those Lincoln Town cars, you're supposed to talk with anybody unless they initiate it. But he was mad cool. Hey, man, what's your name? Yeah. Hey, what's going on, big man? Come on over here, man. We, you know. Oh, yeah, I heard they did. That's why I was like, thank you. So you're going to be my New York connection since I know you're in New York. <laughs> but um, I think it was Michael Modell. Now, I'm going off. I haven't even started this, really. I'm just going to say this story. I'm full of stories. So every show, I'm going to throw five or six stories in there, right? Uh, was it Empire or was it the other company? I think it was, no, it was Empire. They, they had a long account with them. 
And it was in midtown Manhattan where the corporate offices were. Couldn't tell you what street. I don't remember all of that. But I would, we would have to wait in a certain section. Like if we, if we, we would go call the dispatch, like, listen, I want Manhattan Central East. They didn't call it that. I'm just making it up. It was it's similar to that. Or I want Manhattan Central West. So if you park within Central West, meant, let's just make it up from 96th Street down to 34th Street and from Central Park all the way over to the uh, east side. So that way you're positioned to be able to get to your call as fast as you can. And in Manhattan, the odd streets go east or west, the even streets go east or west. I forgot what it was, y'all, I ain't gonna lie. But we had to know that because once we heard a certain street number and we were on a major north or south road, we had to know, okay, if this street, 23rd Street, comes back and I can't turn right on it, I gotta go to 24th or 22nd and go down to the end and come up. You'd be surprised when traffic st starts and you make the wrong decision driving and they expect you to be there within so many minutes because that's the professionalism. So at Michael Modell, the owners one time, I was there to pick up my check. They didn't do a direct deposit, but they said, okay, we see that you uh, do a lot of Central West Manhattan section. And there's going to come a time where you're going to have to pick up Michael Modell. I remember that name. And it's a bunch of brothers that owned it from what I heard. But he was the one who, I'm not blowing him up. He lived in, um, it wasn't Rockaway, but the first part of uh, Long Island, you know, Queens is connected to Long Island. But as soon as you get over the, the Queens borderline, around the Rockaways, right on the beach, that's where he lived. He had a little mansion out there. It was fabulous. Anyway, they told me, listen, when we call you for Michael Modell, do not waste any seconds. This is one of our biggest accounts. And yeah, I remember Herman's too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So you know Empire. Yeah, they have car service. They have the, the limousine. Then they have the black car. That's what they call the black Lincoln town cars. You had to have a black Lincoln town car. You ain't going to roll up in there anything else. Well, yo, I got a Caprice. Yo, it's black. Can I? No, no. And it had to be washed every single day. You had to be in a suit and tie. You couldn't have too much cologne on, just a little bit. Certain colognes, they, didn't, they would get down with that. Like if it's something smelly, let it be something where it makes you smell clean. And you better have your hair. You know, you better be professional. If the woman's walking with a plunging neckline cleavage, you better not be staring at that bad boy. Don't try to do it in the rearview mirror. Like they, they were strict. So they were telling me that Michael Modell doesn't like to stand by the curb very long. And when you go to his particular street, where that office was in the front, front building, you don't see him, you better slow down. Don't go up there and have to move. Kind of hang back. And when you see him, what he likes is when he walks straight out, that you start coming down because you can't park up on a major, major, like Fifth Avenue, Sixth Avenue, Cars are moving up and down and black cars are trying to pick people up and, and the cops don't mind if you stop to pick somebody up, pick them up and go. Don't park and wait. You know, Gina G, that's how it is. I know it's worse now.
but it was bad back then in the middle of the day. So you had to time it for this joker. Oh, there you go, coming out the door. He's not looking. He's going to stand there and read his paper or look straight ahead. And if he has to look at his watch and turn around after two and a half, three minutes, they're going to get their head torn off. And they didn't want to lose that account. But he was weird. He was a weirdo. That's, that's unnatural. I'd, I'd get it every time. I'd see him. It's just easing up. He didn't need you to open the door. You're supposed to get out and open the door. But you got traffic like that. It's crazy. So he would nod at you. He wouldn't say anything to you. And you nod back at him. And he's cool. I never heard him talk. Well, he never talked to me. But he would talk on the phone so low. I could not. Yo, I'll tell you, I got ears like satellite dishes. I can hear. Well, I, that's one thing I could do. When I had my hearing tested before I went into corrections, and they put you in the box and you got to raise your right hand to hear this beep and that beep on the left hand side. And they had the tiny beeps. I got them all. The beep set was so low. Some people were like, I hear a beep. No, you didn't. You thought you heard a beep. But anyway, I'll finish this one off and we'll get right into the topic. But I heard clip, clip, like somebody was cutting something, like cutting paper. Right? And I'm not turning around. I'm focused on the road, but I didn't want to do the peripheral thing. Look to the side. Like, what is this joker back there doing? And he was clip, 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 clip. He had a paper with him. And this particular time, I dropped him to his residence. And he motioned to me, like, held the paper up, like, you want this paper? He never said anything to me. And I nodded my head. I did say thank you. You can't be, you know, you can't get in trouble for saying thank you. We're not, we're not, we're not mimes here. We're not doing deaf sign language. So he got out. But I knew he was clipping something out of the paper, maybe an article, but the whole ride he was clipping. Do you know, I will say this, I don't care. Michael Modell, one of the brothers who owned Modell's all over the city back in the day, it couldn't have been some company that cleared 10000 every year. No, this was a multi-million dollar company in the city. Wouldn't you believe I didn't read the paper while I drove off. I put the paper to the side, but at the red light, going back, I opened it up and looked at it. This joker was clipping out coupons. Nathan's hot dogs. Coupons. Store coupons. That taught me a lot. He is a multi-million dollar dude. His cut of the deal had to be that also. Because the way his house was, okay, you couldn't purchase a house. Hey, you could have a lot of debts and be house poor. We understand that. But this joker had some money. And I did have a chance to go inside for some reason. I think I was helping him with some bags, some uh, luggage. Because I think I, I picked him up at New York, uh, Newton, New York, Newark Airport one time. And I found out that he requested me. <laughs> so it's like, oh, he must like me. Not a homo thing, but I left him alone. You see, so, oh, yeah, got to go to Moe's. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All kind of jingles these last week were hitting me in my head ever since I was kind of like focused on staying home and just doing my own thing. 
But um, it really hit me. Now, when I took him from Newark Airport, brought him through Manhattan, and um, or did I go? Did, I don't know if it was the Verrazano Bridge and avoided Manhattan. I think I did. Through Brooklyn, you know, you could do that. So we got to his place, and I'm like, I ain't gonna lie, I was like, I'd like to see what the inside of this place looks like. First of all, he had these doors that were like, look at the 12 feet tall, <laughs> like big, big monsters' doors. But the place was meticulous. So he went to open the door. I think one of the hired help had, you know, got it before he did. He got a thing about that. It better open. You better be there when I walk up. <laughs> that was, I could tell that's one of his hangups. Oh, God forbid for whatever. If he had a sex life with a woman, what, what was that like? I want it done this way. You're wrong. You messed up my orgasm. Who knows? There's some weirdos out here. But I'll tell you one thing. That's the first time I saw security cameras that looked at you. It turned with you. Was it somebody operated? I doubt it. And then when I dropped stuff at the front door or inside the front door, I caught a glimpse because it was kind of like that door was a direct door into the dining room, but there were other doors in the front. But he obviously built the house the way he wanted it. Maybe he didn't want to go through the front door to leave out of the dining room. <laughs> Maybe that was one of his hangups. Have multiple doors so you can go directly into the room. But I, I saw the longest behind table that I ever saw in my life. This table, this table could fit, no lie, about 50 people. I'm not going to say specifically like 48, you know, 24 on one side, 24. I counted the places. No, I glanced it, but I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> he doesn't strike me as a person who entertains people. But you got a big table like that. Some people like to have grand things and they're, they're hermits. But I tell you, that tile job was granite on the floor, man. That thing was beautiful. And his property behind his house was the beach. Feel bad for him with, uh, what, what, what's the hurricane that went up there and messed up Rockaways and everything? Probably tore his house up. But anyway, that's just a story I wanted to share. As we warm up, we're real warmed up now, right? We, we, we're 43 minutes into the show and I didn't even t get on the topic yet. <laughs> 10 traits of highly insecure men. The constant need for validation. Now, does it mean that all are like this? It doesn't mean that they all have that constant need for validation in the same way. They can set you up to give them a compliment, right? They can manipulate you into saying something nice about them, but they constantly need that, like a, like a, like a bucket that you're trying to fill up with water that has holes in it and the water's coming out. And if they don't get that, it's more evident that they are very insecure. It's almost like a little brat child who's spoiled <laughs> i want that candy bar you always bought me that candy bar now we're not <laughs> and they act out but their validation requirements in their personal and emotional bucket that has holes in it are not met you're gonna see a whole other person so now that's draining to you 
because you know you need to feed them this. Let's be real. They might be such a terrible partner in the bedroom. I'm not talking about a sleeping partner. I'm talking about doing the do. If I sound funny, I'm trying to catch a mosquito that's flying around here. Just saw him. I love all of God's creatures, but mosquitoes, that's what gave me malaria and almost took me out. So I have a special affinity for them. But in the bedroom, you better compliment them. Oh, honey, that was the best I ever had. And they still don't believe it. Really? <laughs> you, you think so? I, I, I'm the best? In the back of the, their mind anyway, no matter how much you fill it up, they, they got holes in the bucket. They're going to start thinking. Well, maybe she was lying to me. And you probably were. But you're going to pay for that. Because you could be somewhere else. And driving somewhere, having a good time. Or you think you're having a good time. And they have a serious look on their face. You say, honey, what's, what's, what's wrong? Well, you, 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 you said I was the best, right? And I overheard you talking to your girlfriend. Let's throw our own names here. Your girlfriend, Tracy J. <laughs> You were talking to Tracy J, and I know you've known each other for a long time from when you were teenagers, and and you you, you were telling how uh, uh uh how this older boyfriend of yours just always satisfied you. So you you told me I was the best. Yeah, so now, well, come on, man, let that go. She's with you. Oh, I'm gonna write that down. Karma has no days off. That's, I like that. I like that. That's good. I like statements and quotes. There's certain things that come off the lips of people so effortlessly, but it's a gem for me. Those are the things that you righteously chant. Like, you know, somebody does you wrong. Karma has no days off. Karma has no, oh no. I'm not trying to get you to say, Nam myoho renge ko. I'm not trying to turn you into Cena Turner here. But this constant need for validation should be something that it makes you understand there's something else going on. The obvious thing is the jealousy and possessiveness. Insecure men may struggle with trusting their partner. They think that they're less. They may feel that they're less. They may act confident to the outside world. Granted, some of the most confident acting people, they are a hot mess in the midnight hour. And while you're dating this person and you, you know, you live one place and they live another, when you're living with them and you get to see when the mask comes off, how they struggle with trusting you and they're possessive and you're in the supermarket and, and they will blame you for some dude checking you out. Now the dude ain't checking you out in front of him all in his face. But when they're with you, they're looking out for this because of their jealousy and possessiveness. Look, you can feel at your worst. Ladies, listen, I know this to be true. I've never been a lady, but I know this. I've talked to enough. Like I said, you could have a bad case of diarrhea, have bad cramps because you're on your monthly, run out to the store, rollers in your head, and a house coat. Not that you're going to do that, right? With morning breath, I'm just painting the picture here. And some dude is going to be eyeing you down. Like you're the sweetest mango on the tree. And you're like, what the hell is he looking at? I know I'm not. That's how men are. Especially when they're horny minded. 
and they want friction. They don't care. And some can go out in that state and still be attractive. It's your femaleness that they love. But when you are out and you, you're not even thinking about this stuff, you're not even like that when you're with somebody. And some man way over on the next checkout line, five or six lines down, this dude, uh, so uh, you know that dude's looking at you, right? But I saw how you looked at him when we were in the bread aisle and passed him by. Why did you look at him like that? See what you started? You probably want him to look at you. Now, it's a problem because he's blaming you for the out of control. And I mean, if it's out of control, keep it over there. But he, men can tell. They go look at your woman, man. Even if your woman really don't look good. I mean, you know, I mean, hey, it is what it is. I see energy. I don't see, well, she look good. She don't look good. But the world, you know how it is. And many men these days are reduced to seeing a woman as a collection of body parts. Oh, man, she got some nice titties, man. But, you know, the backside kind of flat. Oh, man, she, she got a nice back there. But, you know, she knock knee. Like, what is this? We choosing, we're going to go get a vehicle? I like that vehicle because it has more torque to the engine. So I'm climbing up hills and hauling stuff. Like, what is this? This is a human being. They didn't make themselves. We maintain ourselves. But that's, that's the effect of porno. Like, like, they're all pornoed out. And I've talked about that before. We'll, we'll keep it on topic. But um, it's, it's the fear of criticism overly sensitive to feedback. I mean, take it personally. You can't, when you have to speak on something that needs correction with the insecure, the highly insecure man, you have to damn near take a class. Let me stand up here. Oh, snap, my microphone just dropped. Almost broke the glass table. God, dog. What's going on here? <laughs> But you almost have to take a class on, on how should I approach this? Because I know he's not going to take it well. He's highly sensitive and insecure. It's a damn shame. But the world thinks he's a man's man. Oh, you got a man there with you. He's a man's man. I know you feel protected. I know he's so confident and secure. All these insecure men out here. And you know that she's talking about your man. No, she's not purposely talking about it. But she hit it on the head. And he's one of them. But you can't tell it because he goes with the whole facade of, yes, I am the confident man here. <laughs> and you ain't diddly squat. But those overly sensitive men who cannot take feedback properly and take it personally and get mad at you. Who are speaking to them in a manner of constructive criticism that will make them better. But they're insecure, they should need this. If they love you and trust in you, why are they taking this personal? I'd rather have it behind the scenes. Don't have me, we back there vibing, right? Like say, for example, I'm, I'm going on a talk show or something, you part of my crew. We there. We backstage, I'm about to go out in three minutes. I got a big wad of yogurt in the corner of my eye. Why are you going to let me go out there like that? Listen, Lance, I got a napkin here. Let me just wipe that stuff out of the corner of your eye. Oh, thank you. 
But I'm mad at you because you said something about it. I'll be mad if you let me go out there on national TV looking like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not picking on me. Now, we do have some women who, and that's another topic, who want to put their man down. And we have some men who want to put their women down and say, say things all out in the public. You know that outfit don't look right. I don't know why you'd wear it. Why did you say that before you got out? And why do you have to say it that way? Tell them why. Well, listen, it's a, you, know, you put a little weight and um, it's a little snug around the middle. It really looks good on you, you know, but after the pregnancy, you know, but I think maybe it might be better if you wear something else. Just say it in a nice way. Maybe that's too harsh. But insecure, man, you can't say anything. To me, it seems like they'll rather have you lie to them. And that's strange to me. Excessive self-doubt. They often question their abilities and decisions. And that's not the trait of a fully developed man. Mentally. Because most men who are there, and I wish this moth would just fly out. I'd have to go over there, open the window. And then when I go over there, he'll fly the other way. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to him. I love everything. But it's, it's, it's just crazy how they don't follow through with it when they make a decision. Even things that are not like super major. They're tearing their hair out. They doubt themselves. See me? I'm the kind of dude that if me and you go to the shopping mall, we both have to get certain things. I'm like the Terminator when I go into a place and I have to buy a, a, a not a suit, but a shirt, pair of slacks. I see a digital readout. I scan everything. I look at this stuff. I look, okay, that's not it. That's, I already know it immediately. Boom, boom. Five minutes. Now, if it's a huge place the size of Walmart, it's going to be a little longer than that. But if it's a normal mall-type situation, you go in there, I scan. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I have some nice T-shirts. I like to, you know, when I do my videos. I like to be comfortable, especially out here. I don't like the ones that, it's, I got to have a V-neck. I'll wear the other ones, whatnot, but I prefer that. But you would know that because most people don't know that side of me. So if you have the regular ones, they're nice and everything, and I would wear them if there's no other choice, but I'm going to go wear, and not a deep V-neck. This is a little nice, slightly V-neck. I like that. So I go there, I see the color, I see the size, I might try two or three of them on, I'm out. The next person might be in there, and I'll be waiting for them, which it doesn't bother me because my brain entertains me. Take your time. I'm thinking of my next drawing. I'm thinking of my next article or what I'm going to send in the show. My brain is a multimedia <laughs> entertainment center. Trust me. <laughs> Sometimes I can't sleep because of that. But the self-doubt. Women look to men to make decisions. Now, women, ladies, you can make your decisions. You're doing it for yourselves. Whether you're with somebody or not, you have the capabilities. I'm not saying that. But when you see a man like, like that, maybe that's a stereotype that should be removed. I don't know. But men are supposed to make Crucial decisions, even when you may feel a little weak, you're not weak, but a little reserved in uh, when the man says, this is it. And he has a track record for making great decisions under duress. It's something that a man is supposed to bring to the table. 
and you trust in that, it makes you feel good. When a woman says, you know, my man, I know he, he's got this. I'm confident in, in, in his decision making. You know what I mean? And that makes the man feel good. But now he's sitting here insecure. And honey, do you think that, oh, well, what do you think? Oh, you're not telling me anything. We got to make up our mind quick. What, what, what is it going to be? You're the man. You're the man. We know you're a male and you're supposed to be a man. But when we say man and you don't produce, we can't say that you're a man. You know what I mean? Maybe some people don't get me. I'm just saying that there's certain inherent things. I'm not saying a woman is supposed to be home and just cook for the man. But if you're dating somebody or you, you're not going to find this out after you're with them. You're going to find out, you know, every time you tell me to come over for dinner, you order now. Be nice if you cook something sometime. It doesn't mean like I'm sexist. You have to cook if you're the woman. I'm not saying that, but men assume, and we in the society assume that, listen, with the home stuff, you got this. The man's supposed to get this too. And this is why women who date men who are on their own, within no drama, no situationships, come to the man's home and says, whoa, this man has a clean home. This man, his closet is impeccable. Everything is ironed. Everything is clean. He cooks such a delicious meal for me. On point. Wasn't somebody came there and just did it and he acted like it. You were there when he was finishing it up. Oh, this should be ready by the right about now. You know what? Let me put a little more salt in this. Oh, okay, let's get the salad ready because the food's almost ready. When you sitting there, you're used to doing this stuff and he's doing it and he's dishing it out and then he sits and joins you. You're like, whoa. Not just because of this, but it helps to make you moist. Not that cooking skills makes a woman. Moist, but when I say moist, I like him. Ooh, home is nice and he's a gentleman. He ain't hitting on me. He can cook. His place is clean. It don't smell like a place that looks clean, but it stink because it was stink for two months before and he cleaned it up. So the stench is still there. The smell never lies, right? So you, not just also physically, doesn't mean that ready to jump in the bed but it's favorable like this is nice this is nice defensiveness a tendency to become defensive even in non-confrontational situations he's defensive about something about himself he's self-conscious about something and every time somebody says something remotely related to that He gets defensive. You go to the mall with her and she runs into a bunch of girlfriends that you know. Now, you know you ain't hanging like that. And she don't have a problem with it. What you got is good enough and she's really into the other things, lickety-lick. Everybody has their own contract, their way of joining and what they like. And okay, she might not like you, but I like what you do. But he's still got his insecurities. So now you run into the mall. Well, you go into the mall with her. It's going to be you and her. But for a while, you run into her girlfriends and they kind of tag along with you. And it's okay because when you go to eat, it's going to be you and her because you planned it that way. And she announces, oh, I'm so glad. 
yeah, we're going to hang a little bit because, you know, we, we, we plan this little time to go to the restaurant. Okay, girl, we're just going to go to the stores with you. You don't mind now, do you? And you say, no, 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 I don't mind. But then they're not going to not talk. They're going to laugh. And so some of them are single. Some of them have people. And the single one was talking about the man she was with the night before. Girl, I, I think he had socks in his trousers the whole time because I saw that big thing. When he took everything off, girl, what? You know, I got a little six-year-old son, and I don't look at him that way, but my son got more at six years old, and this man had a 37. That's a damn shame. Girl, it was like that. <laughs> now, Mr. Defensive, hey, 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 because see, you laughed at the joke, too. So you took that personal. Not saying, hey, it's a joke. All right, let's just say what it is. I have a little dick. They were laughing at little dicks. And that's what it was. Right? You, you, as a man, you have to have more things about you that you're secure about. And you know life is not, but it's like a deck of cards. You play in a game, you get a hand that's not too, you know, successful looking. <laughs> But you can make it successful if you take what you got and make the right decisions, do what you got to do, and hit them sides. Yeah, I slipped in that in there. <laughs> right? But now he's mad because you're making fun of me. You're making fun of me. You're too damn defensive in non-confrontational situations. Nobody said nothing about you, but because you feel guilty or what you going what, what you going to do? If that's what it is, be just look, girl, look, we date and everything. And it looks like things are getting hot and heavy. And I just want to tell you from now, if you're looking for a brother who is like that, I'm not the one for you. If you got to say that, I mean, when it comes to that, you don't just break out. <laughs> this is your first date. You know, you've been talking on the phone and stuff like that. And you're sitting there for your order and stuff. It's like, listen, you don't have a little penis, right? What? Inappropriate. But when you get near there and you know it's coming, if you feel insecure about that, because most of the time women may say, you know, he didn't have much, but boy, he rocked my world. Be one of them dudes. Stop. And I use that because that's something common with a lot of men. That's where you get these pumps and stuff guaranteed to give you extra three inches. And they'll be like, okay, I'll have four then. <laughs> but they get confrontational because of their defensiveness. They love to compare themselves to others. They frequently measure their worth against others. Well, how do you feel about me? I don't have a car and he has a luxury car. And how do you feel about me? Because you know, you're, you're 25 and I'm going on near 40, but that 22 year old likes you and look how the shape he's in. Stop comparing. Stop comparing. That's annoying to women. She chose you. Stop thinking about that. What I'm saying is that with all of these things, it's annoying to the sisters. You're a damn tangled up ball of confusion with this insecurity, and it's not for her to babysit this thing. Too many women are sick of it. Girl, he's fine and everything, but he's a head case. You see what I mean? This is why I said the 10 traits of highly insecure men, because it's as it relates to women. Well, how about the gay people? Look, that's not my, that's not, that's not what I do. 
thumbs it down if you don't like it. I don't live that life. I don't know nothing about that. It is what it is. <laughs> I can talk about what I know. I don't know nothing about that. No, I don't. But they're comparing themselves. And a lot of them don't, well, they will not say it really publicly. They don't reveal that they're insecure. So you have to be able to discern the fact that they are by how they act. And that's just too much with the limited time that we have in a day. It's just too much. See, the insecure men don't see it, understand that when they have these traits, that it gets in the way of the real self, but the real self is, hasn't ironed these things out. Be the real you. Forget about comparing. Forget about thinking the next man is better. Forget about all of this stuff, the need for validation and the jealousy and possessiveness because of your insecurities. Then if you have these things in you, brother, you're not ready for real. Ride or die, fully committed relationship. You got to clean house. And you putting all this stress on the woman that she doesn't deserve. Now, to take a turn off to the other side, this is about men. We have women who have things they need to deal with. And this is why when you have a man who's insecure with other issues and you have a woman who has her issues because of how she was treated in the past and she hasn't healed up for it, it ain't going to work out. It ain't going to work out, y'all. It's not going to work out. There's too many other things. You, you have to do your homework. How are they going to hand you the diploma in high school and you've been failing from eighth grade? <laughs> they can give you the diploma. You can say, we're in a relationship, but really are you? You're in a union of demons that are fighting each other, holding hands with each other. It's just toxic. You're in a relationship with people, yourself included, Male and female, this is for both. You both got soul ties that you did not cut. You didn't spend time to yourself to clean house. You know how it is. You didn't clean house yet. You didn't know these people were going to pop up at your house. You got underwear, thrown all the socks, dirty socks, plates of food that you just left overnight sitting there. I'm not saying you're that nasty. But something's not all the way the way you want it. Ding dong. Thelma, <laughs> how you doing, girl? Let us in. We came to see you. I got five of my friends. I've been telling them all about you. Oh, my God. <laughs> you got some Negro in the back that she don't know about. She's your best friend, but you don't want to tell her about him because, you know, he's doing you right, but he got more toes than teeth. <laughs> and ain't been to the barber in two months. He knew he should have left out for about four or five o'clock in the morning, but he fell asleep and you fell asleep. And now you got your friend outside wanting to come inside the place is nasty and dirty. How you feel? You ain't ready. So that's the way we have to treat ourselves from within. We're not ready. We have to be able to admit we're not ready. Right? Because if we in constant need, brothers, of validation, we're jealous and possessive and we have the fear of criticism, excessive self-doubt, defensiveness, comparing ourselves to others. And sometimes we try to make up for what we think is something that is deficient. 
we overemphasize our appearance. A strong focus on the physical appearance as a source of self-worth. So what happens if you don't have those muscles anymore? I got a mirror over there near the closet. It's about maybe, I say, five feet tall, just leaning up against the wall. It's on the floor. And I walk past it. And we are in our homes. We can walk around naked. And, and I caught a glimpse of myself. And I'm like, I don't look the way I looked in that picture 41 years ago. <laughs> I was like, God, dog. I'm really an older man. But my self-worth, as many people didn't understand back in the days when I was on the bodybuilding stage and people gave me standard ovations, that they thought your self-worth is in the muscles. What happened when you don't have them no more? I don't have muscles no more like that, but I do. You can tell I did something, but it's not there anymore. But my self-worth and self-value is just as high as it's ever been. And as a mature, older man, it is more than what it was when I had a drop-dead gorgeous body. Why? Because my source of self-worth was not based on that. And I have to thank my parents for that. The way they wired me. I enjoyed it. It was nice. That's why I couldn't get too inflated in my head over the body I had. Now, do I go and take steroids and, and, and go get Viagra and, and, and grow my hair out and dye it black and fight my own image and be miserable? Because I, I'm, I'm not going to. Why? Why? As things settle down for me, I hope to get in better shape and start working out. and do. I've been saying that for years, but I'm in a position where I'm almost there. But that doesn't have any weight when it comes to my self-worth. If anything, my ability to create hits home more with my ego than muscles do. Because that makes me unique. And I love my uniqueness. Again, I'm going to say it like I've said it before. I'm a 1970s minded guy because my formative years were that. I was born in 63, but I was 10 years old in 73, right? 15 years old in 78. When 1980 came, I was 17, but a lot of what I am now, I was already there with it. Just with more experiences and more depth and more perspective. And I come from the time when we didn't want to be cookie cutter. Like this, these generations now that, you know, you see a style or you see somebody or some rapper or whatever come out a certain way and they start talking different. They start, you know, I don't care what was popular. We wanted to be unique. The women wanted to be unique. They don't want to wear the dress that they knew another girl. Oh, you put that dress, girl? You going to wear it tonight? I bought it too. I ain't wearing it. I'm wearing that other one. I'm going to go out and get another one. Just on that alone. And you may have looked better than your friend who bought the dress before you. But because she has it, it's like, nah, nah, nah. I'm not following behind her. You didn't do that. You didn't do that. You want to be unique. But then these guys compare themselves to others, overemphasize appearance. And it's a source of their self-worth. And I will tell you, you see guys, and I, I, I know... This is not everyone, y'all. Not everyone. I don't know about the women, but I'll tell you about the men. A lot of the men who are really advanced bodybuilders, 
I'm not talking about the professionals who are on the Mr. Olympia stage. They know they juicing up big time and they know it's still hard work. So it's not about what somebody else says that just doesn't know. But the regular dude in the job, the young dude who's coming up and he's working out and, and whether he's juicing or not, and that means taking steroids, right? That's another psychological addiction that's based on insecurity. A lot of these guys who have these bodies, and I'm not jealous because I was that guy without the drugs. I was a little different, but most of them are extremely insecure when you get to know them. And I'm not an old guy throwing off on the young guys who have fabulous bodies because I had my time in that. Really and truly, if I had to go back into that with the same intensity, I wouldn't want to take that much time to focus on that. It's irrelevant to me now at this phase of my life. Again, I do want to get back into it just to keep myself healthy and strong and fit. But most guys, they're very insecure about themselves. And you see them, you say, oh my God, he must be very confident. And they're hiding behind that gorilla suit. I'm not saying black men or any men are gorillas. I'm just saying it's like a gorilla suit that's so intimidating. And so because there's an insecurity behind it. There was a guy I know, and whoever knows me, I'm going to say the name. I ain't seen this guy in like 40 years. I don't care. <laughs> Here I am as a teenage bodybuilder who didn't take steroids, who was looking real good. I was looking real good. I worked hard for it. I, I worked hard to get that look because I was into that then. I'm in the gym. Now, here we have other guys who I know are taking substances, whether it's HGH, anabolic steroids, other things. There's things that come out of the pregnant woman's urine that they extract and it helps them. All this kind of stuff going on all them years ago. So I know when I hear it now, it's like, it's always been that way. There was a man named Brett. I think he lived in New Jersey. This guy was roided out. But he was the kind of guy who, in, in the bodybuilding world, he was the kind of guy who looked like he was the top, top, top bodybuilder in the world, in the gym. But whenever he went to competitions, he got smashed. Third, fourth place. He got, see, he didn't have a balanced body. I'm an artist, so I knew I had to be good from head to toe, front to back. Thighs, the back, the shoulders, the arms, the chest, the abdominals, the smaller waist. It's like a sculpture, right? Some guys just want to get big and give me the roids. Let me eat and blow up and get big. So they have the big chunks of muscle and veins all over the place, whatever. But Brett never liked to train his legs. His legs were sticks. This guy had world-class chest. World, I'm talking about professionals that came to the gym that didn't see the fact that he didn't have any legs or well, he had legs, right? But they, it was like, what happened to your legs, man? The jailhouse prison house type thing where they don't have much leg equipment, just squat racks. If they do, cause they remove now a lot of these things. They don't want the inmates to get big and strong, but no legs at all. And he was very insecure about that. And my thighs were my best, one of my best features. I wasn't walking around in shorts in the gym. He, would, he saw pictures of me when I was on stage. 
So he never really liked me, right? He was always throwing off. I'm working on a piece of equipment. The etiquette in the gym is when you see somebody working on something, you ask them. They don't own it, but you say, can I work in with you? And the answer is sure. You know, you don't want to have like five people working in on something because now you're waiting around, you're getting cold, you're losing your pump. You want to keep the intensity of the muscle so you can force it to grow. He would come on after. He's like, that's your last set. I'm on it now. I'm walking away to go get some water. I come back and he picks up the weight to, you know, it could be a set of cables or whatever, but he's going to hold that. He's going to stand there. Like, I'm scared of you. I don't care how big you are or how small you are. You're going to do me that way. And I'm in shape back then too. I stepped right in front of him and grabbed him weights and I did my set. So he's like, oh, who do you think you are? I'm like, somebody you're not going to intimidate with your steroid muscles. I told him that. He said, how do you know I'm on steroids? I said, man, look at your face. I broke it down, the acne on the skin, uh, all the little physical traits, all up under his jowls, all swollen. You ever see these top body muscles, their faces look all funny? You see the women, their faces look all swollen up under the jaws. Different things. Man, don't lie to me, man. I'm in here with you. Man, they're guys I know that when their partners were in here, I'm not into doing that. And I don't use that stuff to say, yo, little scurve, can you come over here, man? I need you to shoot me up. I'm like, I ain't doing that. Come on, man, please. I'll mess up my cycle. Ah. All right, bend over. I'm like, please, like somebody else come in here and know that there ain't no funny business going on here. You know? Put it here, put it at this angle, and just squeeze this amount in. Didn't like, you know, but I knew guys who were cool with me. They knew I didn't want to do it, but they did it. And I know some guys who weren't insecure who did it, but they did that because they wanted that size and that's what they did. But most of the guys who have these fabulous bodies are very insecure. That's all I said, all that to say the one thing. So with Brett, he tried to show out in front of the whole gym one day. Hey, little man, when are you going to put on some muscle? I said, I guess I never will because I'm not going to do what others do. I wasn't throwing off my buddy, so it was a confrontation. So he took off his shirt. This guy was really, from the waist up, this dude was Mr. Olympia. Anybody who knows Brett back from the early 80s up in New York City, when he was in Jersey, lived in Jersey, came out to the gym. Yo, I don't know what happened to him, but I know he don't look like that now. Well, he took off his top. I had underwear on, right? I mean, I had a little, like, tiny little whatever. You, you know, we didn't wear no little big boxes, nothing like that. I pulled my pants down, sort of flexed my legs. I said, show me your legs, man. <laughs> I said, I'm going to keep this too because I'm natural. Oh, uh, uh, everybody. And you know, I got mouth. I don't know what I said to him, but I chewed him up. I said, come see me when you're 60 years old. I think me and him were like, he's like two or three years older than me. So I say to you now, where are you, Brett? <laughs> I still love you, brother. I don't have nothing against you. But that's, that's what it is. No matter what you look like because of these guys who overemphasize their appearance to hide behind that because of the deep-seated insecurities. It could, be, it could be a multitude of reasons. It could be that their mother didn't hug them enough. Maybe their father was out of their life or something. And it manifests in this insecurity. And even they may not know what the source is. That's the thing. That's the sad part about this. A lot of them are afraid to go deep within to see what it is that caused them to be this way. You see what I mean? But you can't babysit something that they're not seeking to heal from. The self-reflection that's needed. 
So the times that you're by yourself, the times, brothers and sisters, the times that you're by yourself, you need to, you need to take that time and appreciate it. See, but some people are afraid to be by themselves. Whether they're by themselves, like I don't have anybody in, in a relationship level, because they're using that person to dump on because of what they don't want to do for themselves. I'm talking about the extremely insecure men. Not a man who says, hey, you know, I got to drop a little weight. I feel funny about it. That is not a certified, bona fide, insecure man who's going to just freak you out every time in social situations and behind closed doors. You see what I mean? The light stuff is no problem. You can correct that. So you can have a man who may not appear to be this dashing and this handsome. And it's, a lot of these guys work hard. I, look, I knew a guy who had a severe breakup. And right after that period of being a hermit for a year or two, and almost having a nervous breakdown, he got into the dressing. I mean, designer this, designer that. Understood fashion. He studied it because that was his weapon when he went out to the nightclub, which is the wrong place to go to look for somebody for a lifetime commitment. It has happened, but I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket. And he went there really to be able to show off in a spiteful way, like to these women, like, look, I got these shoes that cost a couple hundred dollars and they're from Italy and I got this whatever type of shirt from this designer and so-and-so. So he walked in there like that and that was his false sense of confidence. But he was still a bru bruised, hurt little boy. You see? see so, 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 you gotta, and so if you get caught up in that, you're realizing now at the end of the day that he has issues that he never dealt with, but he filled it in and covered with something else that never dealt with the initial issue. You see what I mean? And it, these things are difficult to detect sometimes, even to the opposite. They have a difficulty handling compliments. They, they'll get embarrassed. It's almost like you're making fun of them. And they'll downplay it or dismiss positive feedback. Like, okay, I'm like that a little bit, but not from some insecurity, but I don't want anybody to think I'm big headed about myself. Like, 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 okay, you all know me. We're here. We vibe every day. So stuff, content accumulates. But what about the person who runs into my content? They never heard of me before. And they say, wait a second. You've done all this because, because I've been doing this for years. You're great. You're this, you're that. I'm not going to believe like, you're right. You're right. I am. Yes. I, Cause I'm not out here for that. So I'll kind of like pull away a little bit. Cause I'm not looking to, for validation. I'm going to do this anyway, but I do appreciate the kind words, but I'm not an insecure guy. Look, I know what I can do. I'm fully aware of what I can do and my capabilities. And I'll say just like a fighter who never showed his best performance, the best is yet to come. And I accept the compliments. It's fine. I'm about that work though. Maybe when I'm somewhere 92 years old <laughs> on a cane or whatever, no, I'll be, I'm, throwing, I'm not, uh -uh, unless they, my leg breaks or something, they give me some lifetime achievement award. Some of the very enemies that fought me all along the way. 
Lance, you stuck in there with it. We didn't understand you, but YouTube is going to give you this lifetime achievement award, which I know doesn't exist, and they ain't going to give it to me. I'll sit there and cry. <laughs> the struggle's been hard. Thank you. You're great. Thank you. I agree. I'll agree then. But we got work to do now. I'm not out here for ego. Listen, my experiences in life, especially young, to have the confidence to do what I've done. And it was there instilled by my parents and I ran with it and said, okay, I got to this point. We know this. Let's move on. Let's work on the other sides of ourselves. That's what, really what it's all about. I don't want that stuff inside of me. And what triggers me, I'm going to let you know what triggers me and why it triggers me. Why? Like I said, the time the man broke in my room and standing over me and all that stuff. And the next night they chased me with a gun, mistaken identity. I'm hung up on privacy and peace. When I'm home, I want no intrusion from nobody up, up top, down the bottom, left, right, front, back. I have to be able to walk around in my backyard naked if I want to. I need complete privacy because my privacy, my perception of privacy has been violated. So I can come into a relationship and say, hey, this is what it is. When it's nighttime and it's light inside and it's dark outside, don't walk around naked. They can see right on in here, close the blinds. That's my thing. When I come out, don't sound like that. That doesn't sound right when I come out. <laughs> when I come outside or when I am uh, ready for the social, you know, I'm good. Because I'm the extroverted recluse. But I'm in and into inside and looking within, I'm so quiet. When I'm in this manifestation, which is me, I flow. I know myself. I'm telling you what I am from my research and study of myself. So I can make it easier for you because I have the Lance Curve instruction manual. A car comes with a instruction manual, how to care for it, how to maintain it. Even a toy, your fridge, we don't really look at it. We just plug the fr fridge in and start using it. But everything should have its own instruction manual. So you living life, having yourself to yourself, you should know yourself. So if you are a real man, you should be able to say, sweetheart, I am a man, but I still have things I'm working on. And this is the areas. Here are the areas where I need lots of work on. He may even say it's insecurity. He may, there may be reasons why those insecurities are there. But if you don't acknowledge that, if you keep sweeping the dirt under the rug, that rug is going to bulge. And in the middle of the night, when you walk, you want to trip and fall and probably bust your jaw, break your nose. So face yourself. We're all a work in progress. But we live in a society where we have to present the best side of ourselves. We have to be this person. And that's not right for ourselves. It's wrong. It's wrong. And we have the avoidance of challenges, a reluctance to take on new challenges due to fear of failure. Come on, y'all. Y'all know that ain't me. <laughs> I'm not putting my, myself in here, but nah. 
When people think I'm going to fail, if it's something I want to do, I'm going at it. Now, when I was brought so many miles down that dark road on that van that didn't want to stop, it was an express van. Noise was on and, you know, he didn't hear me and he was just, he, was, he was had an attitude. He took me miles down, about 15 miles down the road. The dark road. No lights, no homes around on the other mountains, nothing there. Trees connecting over you so you couldn't see through that. Up in the clouds, not the fog, but the clouds, thick, midnight, dark. Nothing you could see. I have never been engulfed by an atmosphere like that. I had to deal with that challenge. I could not avoid that. When I took the other one back up, didn't know my sense of distance and thought I was at my stop and jumped out because I saw a sign that's similar to the one at my entrance. And as they drove off and I screamed and I'm running behind them like rerun on That's My Mama after the bus and they kept going. I saw one of them laughing like, we're going to leave them out here. And I had them two heavy grocery bags. They're reinforced too. It's not like plastic that would rip or tear and or paper that's going to get wet and fall out. They have these reinforced ba uh, bags out here. Like, like a little um, threading inside of it. It can hold a lot. I had to face that challenge. That was a nightmare. Even most country folk did not see because we were way up in the mountains and this winding road with nothing, nothing you could not see and you heard of these animals. It was like facing what most people think is facing death. That's what they think it is, right? Maybe it's not that way. I ain't trying to find out right now. I got work to do here. But I had to face that thing inside of me. And after that experience, what was I going to do? Freak out and cry? But I was frightened. I'm not, I'm not too much of a man that I can't say that. That was beyond my control. And I'm not a control freak, but to me, that was the creator put me in a certain situation to get me ready for other things. And I appreciate that experience at the end of the day. Don't want to go through it any, anymore because I had to walk about 15 miles in that. Cramping and, oh man, all kind of weird noises. Things in the bushes rustling near me. I couldn't even see the road. I stepped, almost stepped off the road and it wasn't a wide road. Who knows what was on that road? I had to deal with myself to conquer that situation. And when I got home, like I said, I was so tired. I just laid down. <laughs> just laid down. Reached over one of the bags and drank some juice and put it down. I just laid down on the floor. I was tired, but I had to think about it. That challenge. So if something can be a situation or experience that's inflicted on me, I'm not going to say the universe. It was me. I missed my stop. And the driver was a prick, honestly. But I'm glad for that. And so why should I be afraid to attempt other things that if I win and succeed, it makes me go higher. But I've always been that way. 
I would have never filled out the application to go into that bodybuilding competition and win that one, even the ones I didn't win. For years, I was doing it as a teenager. Because it wasn't that I believed in myself. I knew in myself there was something different because I wanted to do this. Just like any other thing I want to do, I know it confidence as a man. I may not know it now. I may slip and fall for a little bit now. But you know what? Is If this is something I know I want to do, not start and quit. But you see the end and where you could find yourself through visualization that you will get there. That's the way I've been wired all my life. Now, if it's something I don't want to do, you know what I mean? Hey, Scurvy, so you have this great confidence. Why don't we go hang, hang gliding over a lake infested with alligators and crocodiles? You're stupid. <laughs> Ain't nothing progressive coming out of that except saying I did it. I'm not risking my life for that. And I don't want to do that. That's that white boy stuff. I ain't with that stuff. No way. It's so crazy. Overly controlling behavior. A need to control situations and people to manage their insecurities. That's what it is. That's why I hate to say it. But in the bigger, more stressed cities... When you have some who may be police officers, but it doesn't have to be police officers. You could be a supervisor in the hospital. You, you, you could be uh, 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 the head chef in the kitchen. You see what I mean? But you're over everybody. And you fought to get that position because you have a need to control because of your own insecurities. When you get pulled over by a, a certain cop and he's a prick because he knows that you're driving a better vehicle than him. He doesn't know the reason why. I mean, maybe, you know, you did good in school. You have a good job. You know how to save. Maybe you had a regular kind of job and that's what you wanted. Or they go to pull you over and they step up and they see a gorgeous woman next to you and they think that you don't deserve that. So they start messing with you, controlling you. Take your license. Make you sit there for 30 minutes. Ain't nothing wrong with your license, but they're sitting there on the cell phone or eating their lunch. We're going to make you wait. Because you ain't going to take that girl home because that's what we know you get ready to do. And I got to work this shift. My wife ain't giving me no sex. My, my girlfriend I, on the side was cheating, gave me STD. I'm short on the bills. Penis is tiny. <laughs> you can't let this stuff consume you in this superficial society that we live in. It's got to come from within. You have to be able to say, hey, this is a shortcoming, that's a shortcoming, whatever. But here I'm a king and I'm strong and I'm put here to conquer. Not to conquer you and control you, to conquer me and rise myself up to a level. You focus on yourself. We all are champions. We all could have reasons to be insecure and let those things spiral out of control. You may not have what the next man has, but what you have potentially with the seeds of greatness inside of you could be better in that one lane or five lanes or 50 lanes. Stop looking sideways. Stop looking at what other people have. And you're doing this overly controlling behavior, like controlling somebody for a time on a job for the eight hours or 16 hours or 12 hours. You're on that job. It's going to really do something for you. The answer is always look within yourself and do your housekeeping. See? Mm. What are the red flags? 
excessive jealousy, constant need for reassurance, isolating behavior, you know, regularly putting yourself down, overly critical of others to, to shine a light on their shortcomings to make you feel better about yourself because you really feel bad about yourself. I remember I was in a situation, in a group situation driving. Everybody was talking in the car. And this one clown who he kept, every time I saw the talk, he saw, put his finger up. <laughs> but if you, I realized he was insecure in how he expressed himself. He sounded like a bullfrog. <laughs> oh, no, no, no wonder you're going to try to shut me up. This is what I do. I talk. But he was insecure about that. So he had to try to put me down or what. And it was like, even his wife was rolling her eyes, but he like this guy. It was embarrassing her. But then again, that's, who knows? You have difficulty handling stress because of your insecurities, overly anxious and stressful situations, lack of independence, relies heavily on others for decision-making, like we said earlier. Inability to apologize or admit mistakes. You know, you're resisting to acknowledge your faults. We all have things that are shortcomings. Why do we work so hard to look like the real thing instead of going within ourselves and being the real thing? I'd rather have a house that's fixed up nice on the inside and looks plain on the outside as opposed to decorating on the outside and make it look awesome and there's nothing in there. You know what I mean? It's so obvious when you see these things in people and you have an unwillingness to discuss emotions. That's another red flag. I'll talk about my emotions. I ain't got to fry. Like, I'm not afraid to cry. I've cried on shows where you could see me. And, I'm <laughs> and it ain't because I'm weak. I'm an emotional being. Not emotional where I'm emotional and just out of control. But some men, they're so rigid. Oh, you cannot show emotion. That's your damn problem. That's why you cracking up on the inside in the midnight hour. You know? And then also the rapid mood swings. You know? extreme emotional highs and lows. And to me, I don't care what a doctor would diagnose, that's something you have to take care of. Ain't no medication gonna control that. It may make you act as though, you know, I mean, a depressed person can take an upper and look like the happiest person in the world. <laughs> Does it mean they're happy? It's a chemically induced thing, right? But then how do you end a relationship with a person like this? Because this is something, ain't that much love in the world especially when you just started out or you're into it, you realize you're destroying your life. So ladies, you're going to have to deal with a lot of self-reflection and you have to consider your own needs. Stop putting these men, I'm not saying you got a bunch of men around you, but who you're dealing with, but it's been a problem. Maybe it's been a pattern. Stop being nice and putting your own needs and well-being on the second tier. And you have to establish boundaries. You have to have boundaries. It can't be everything he said. All right. Okay. Because if I'm nice with them, they, look, were, you, were you nice with people like this? Even people in general, you know, they're not going to respect you. You have to know or let them know, listen, this is where the line is. We can get along fine, but this is stuff that I'm not going to take. Number one, this, 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 and this. How does that happen? Self-reflection where you know yourself. You will get respect that way. You see? See? So, 
choose an appropriate time to break down when you feel to have that exit with that man because he still may show out. You better find a calm place, maybe private, maybe semi-private where you're maybe in a booth in a restaurant where you can talk to each other, but you're still in public. Don't go hemmed up somewhere up in the mountains in a cabin. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't know what he'll do. Because sometimes we don't know what men will do. They may try to delete you and snuff you off the face of this earth. Maybe they were telling their buddies, yeah, I got control over it. He's insecure now. I got control. I run things in this relationship. And you break up with him? How's he going to face them fellas? That's what he's more concerned about than anything else. You also have to be honest but gentle. Express your feelings with the insecure man without being hurtful. And stop in your conversation when you're trying to convey to him that you can't be with him anymore. Not the we, 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 or the us, 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 but you have to use the I statements. Focus on your own experiences rather than blaming the other person. Because when you blame the other person, they're going to offer a quick fix to whatever complaint that you have about the dynamics of your relationship. Well, okay, you say I don't clean up my clothes are all over the place. I'll start cleaning up. No, that's an us thing. No. For me and me, that's not happening ever again. And that's one of my complaints. And, you know, I've had enough of it. I've spoke about it and you seem to ignore it. And that and the 50, 50 million other reasons, right? But you always have to stay firm about your decision and avoid bending to be nice. You know how many times that women have attempted to break up with a guy and somehow, some way, he has a way of getting next to her? I'm not even going to say sexual. You having that conversation, I know the way you like, the way my mouth feels on you. No. Some women are weak that way. Oh, one last time, baby, okay. Are you feeling all these sensations up in your head and you're laying there post-orgasmic with this insecure man you were trying to get away from and you're like lying to yourself. Ah, well, maybe it'll work out. Don't let the orgasmic feelings sway you. It's a very powerful thing. It's crazy. But you got to stay firm. And you got to expect emotional reactions. Be prepared for that. But you have to stay on your ground. You got to lean on your friends and your family or maybe even a therapist for support. You don't go to the very one that you're trying to get away from for support. Oh, maybe if you support me, maybe I'll stay. They're going to support you in a way to keep you right in the place that you're in. And if you got to implement no contact, then you have to do it. You talk and don't say it in person because they're, they're not going to let you go. Have a place where you're going to go for the next couple of weeks where you're not at your place. Say, listen, there's going to be no contact Tell him over the phone. Give him a voicemail message. Tell him in person. Don't break up with a text or a voicemail now. But set it up and let him know that final thing that way. Boom. No contact. You need to have your head clear. Because these insecure men can be very clingy and very manipulative and can actually appear to be the man that you always wanted. But that's only a ghost to get you back. He'll go to your friends and they'll act a certain way. And your friends will say, listen, he look like he changed. Man, he really comes off a girl. Don't you know that was two weeks ago we broke up? What you mean he changed? He can't change in two weeks. I'm not, I'm done with him. 
It's not a matter of changing. I'm done with them. You have to be firm. Right? And as Sister Green Wisdom said, you have to focus on self-care. Prioritize your well-being and engage in activities that bring you joy. Was that somebody, Anita Baker? You bring me joy. You bring me joy. She's singing to somebody. Or maybe not. Maybe she's singing to herself. Why can't you bring yourself joy? Why can't you cook that meal that you always like and eat all of it? Why can't you go to that restaurant that's your favorite restaurant and go sit down and eat sushi if you like it? Whatever it is that you like. I mean, whatever it is that you like. Light the candles. Play the music. If you want to sip a little wine. If you got to whip out your battery-operated boyfriend. Self-care. And bask in the afterglow of your own orgasm. If that's what you have to do. Well, you know, Larry, I follow Jesus. I'm in church. I can't be doing all that. But you got three battery-operated boyfriends in your daggone side dresser. You talking about you don't do that. Get out of here. One that there, right there. <laughs> got a little scent on it. Used last night, now didn't you? Don't lie to me. All I'm saying is that whatever it takes, self-care, like I learned from Green Wisdom. See, I don't know everything. She taught me something that night. And it really didn't, wasn't about me, but it was something I could pass on to other people. Meaning that even if sometimes you don't like yourself too much at that moment, you can administer self-care, but your psyche, your spirit, your soul, everything about you receives it as love, as self-love. So even if you think that you don't love yourself too much, do the self-care. See, I'm telling Green Wisdom, wherever you are, if you hear it, I learned a lot from you, but that's when that stuck out on me. Not that I hate myself, no. But it's something I can put with my rest of my artillery to be able to share and help somebody out. This is why whatever we learn, whatever we know, we have to share it. I don't care if it didn't come from me. If it's a nugget, it's something that I have to hold on to. Like the statement that was made earlier, karma never takes a day off. <laughs> That's my quote for the day. That might be my quote for the week. Love that. Say that over again when people do you wrong. That will keep you from going upside their head when you want to. Karma never takes a day off. Beautiful. Love yourself and see the insecure man might not dig it too tough when you're loving yourself. It doesn't mean you're shutting him out. But in any healthy relationship, you know, theoretically, I say, I want to see my woman. Love herself. Because when I love her too, that's even more love. Now, maybe she's not going to get in that battery. I read boyfriend. But other than that, you know, whatever it takes. Have time to yourself. Like I said, these men who are insecure, very controlling and possessive, they don't even want you to have time by yourself. They're the kind of guys who want to barge in the bathroom. You sitting there, you know, letting it go. Number two. They barge on in. Now, your relationship, you feel, should be open and there's no issue, no problem. But they do that 
in a in a in a violating way. Like any little space that you have of your own, violate it. You give them all this time and a little bit of time you have to yourself. They want to be able to march on in through it like the stopple and then look all up in it, whatever, and make you feel like you don't have no time to yourself. And while it may not be right, this is what forces women to sometimes find themselves in the arms of another man and sometimes another woman. It's another topic, right? Well, it ain't me. I ain't going, but look, it happens for reasons. I mean, I condone certain things, but everything happens for a reason. And I'm realistic that way. I only look at things in brutally honest fashion in my life. And when I spit it back, it is what it is. I'm not saying it's the absolute truth. It may be a part of the truth, right? Because... If I'm standing on one side of the street and you are standing way on the other side and down the block a little bit, and there's an intersection that we both can see, we don't even know each other. We're going to know each other soon. But from my side, I see a car speeding, trying to make the red light or make the green light or yellow light as it changes to red. And all of a sudden, he hits the brake so hard and the cars behind them pile up, hits him. The one behind him hits him. And when the police come, they say, well, what did you see? Well, this guy was driving. I don't know why he was driving so crazy. He was going straight. He was going to make the yellow and he slammed on the brakes. Driving crazy. Why would he do that? I don't know the reason why, but you're from the other side now. I'm looking at him like he's a clown for slamming the brakes after trying to make the light. There was nothing out there as far as I could see. But you saw the little girl who ran out after the ball and ran out almost in front of him where he thought that that kid was going to be in front of him and he slammed the brakes. Same situation, different perspective. So as we grow as individuals, we have to understand when something happens to us as far as an experience we may have a partial truth and someone else from another perspective has a different look on it or perspective or angle on it where they saw something we didn't see. <clears throat> and then we see now, oh, that's why he slammed the brakes. He's a hero. He was trying to save the girl's life. He knew those cars were going to hit him from behind, but he'd rather save that little girl's life than possibly run over her. You see what I mean? So no matter how many women, and I'm saying women, maybe it could be men, male friends, in your life, say, why? He seems to be a good man. And he might hold down a job. He might not be violent. He might be extremely insecure. And you're tired of dealing with it as it has brought a lot of pain and torture into your life because he doesn't want to look within and clean house and you're done with it because it's encroaching on your life. Now you can't breathe. You walk around with the weight of his toxicity on your shoulders. You can't find joy when he gets around your friends. He acts like the perfect person. 
And you know different because you see the public persona and you see what you have to go through behind closed doors. How many times have we seen, I won't even see, say celebrities because they're all superficial anyway. But people in our communities, it might be that church couple. <laughs> it's more than like the church, right? But they're always in church and they're always together. They've been together, married for 20 years, 25 years. They're about 50 years old now. You grew up watching them marry. You know, you were born and they were 25. Now you're 25 and they're 50. And they have a really bad divorce. You're like, you got to call and confirm it. It ain't gossip. It's like, did you hear sister so-and-so? She, she divorced her husband. They were the perfect couple. Because they worked so hard to maintain things on the outside. And a lot of our sisters are guilty of this. Because of that pride factor, they'd rather look good from the outside and they're dying on the inside in their relationship with this insecure man or even a violent man or any kind of man that is not, or male, that is not vibrating at the highest level. You see where I'm going with this? Take care of yourself first. It is not selfish. These kind of men will tell you, girl, you being selfish because you know, no, no, no. You're supposed to present yourself in this relationship, vibrating at the highest possible way. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It's just like when you're selling a used car and you're honest about it. You don't try to hide things. Car been T-boned and smacked up and you try to do some cheap body work to cover it. And when you look in the sunlight, a certain way, you see all these ripples and stuff. And what happened over here? Oh, oh, it's just a light thing that happened. It's scraped against another car. No. This was major. Be honest about those things that you are working on because number one, number one, we are never going to be perfect. We are never going to be perfect. We can always be perfected. Understand this. This is something I know, but you ain't never going to be perfect. We can vibrate higher and higher, higher today more than yesterday, continually improving, but don't think, well, when I'm perfect, I'll no, because then you'll never get in a relationship because you're never going to be perfect. So since we're never going to be perfect, be honest about where you are in your self-development. Just like a used car. Listen, this car I could sell for $15,000, but I know I'm beginning to have transmission issues. So I'm not 4000 off. I don't know how much a new transmission is. And different cars, different prices. I'll knock $4,000 off to fifteen. dollars I'll get it to you for eleven. Now, you may point something out. I say, hey, listen, you know, there's something with the suspension here that's kind of major. You need to take $2,000 off of this thing. So maybe after everything is taken off, he sells it for $8,000 and his friends say, man, you could have got fifteen dollars for it if he lied. And maybe eight seems too low, but that's what this man is going to have to invest in this vehicle. So it's a fair price. Now, I'm not talking about money here, but let it be a fair exchange of honesty. And when you're honest with me and I'm honest with you and I can evaluate dealing with what you've been honest about so it's not going to be an issue, I have no problem giving my life force to you to aid you as you have no problem giving your life force to me to aid me of what I've been very honest about. Honesty. 
transparency. But you can't be honest on something you refuse to work on. So you can say this about it. And for you to even be aware to say it, then why aren't you working on it? I can't help you do something that you should be doing yourself. That means I'm doing it for you. And that's not fair to me because I got my own stuff to do. So if we get into this together, we'll both take charge over each other's stuff plus our own, but not take charge where I'm the primary one doing it. You have to be the primary one taking care of your issues or challenges. Issues sounds too accusatory. Like, issue, you got issues. Black folks don't mess that word up. <laughs> no, but I will help you. And in this commitment of a relationship, you completely fall seeking improvement. For a time, I will be the primary one to get you on your feet because I know I have that in you for me. Honesty. But these 10 traits, which went on beyond 10 traits, but what you have to do to protect yourself, don't be too timid to stand your ground, state the case, zero or no contact if necessary after all other means of communication have been exhausted. The bottom line is, at the end of the day, you can't have baggage put on you from someone else's idiosyncrasies and somebody else's hangups and insecurities they don't want to deal with. Then they'll do the guilt thing. They might go to the bar every night and where people can see him, you know, I, I think he's doing bad ever since you got rid of him. He's drinking and he's not grooming himself and he's not, oh, well. He's got to stand on his own two feet. That is the best thing you can do for these men. But with a lot of our sisters who have a beautiful mothering instinct, these guys learn how to manipulate and tap into something that you can enjoy a little bit of. You're not looking for a mother, granted. But it's nice when your woman takes care of you when you're sick in the bed with the flu. She kind of babies you a little bit, but you're a grown man. But you can enjoy that part of it. But you're not looking like some of these old pimped out dudes. I need to find me a mama. That's really what he wants. No, no, no. Because you as a man will take care of her when she's sick or she's down. And you you become the little girl. He ain't looking for no sick, twisted, you know, Lolita pedoph pedophile type relationship. You know, no. Wear the ponytails and the schoolgirl outfit. I love it. Why? That's suspect. <laughs> Don't let my mind go there. But we have to be there for each other in multiple capacities. But we have to. We both have to care for ourselves individually. They're wallowing in pity and don't want to come out. Like a person who's drowning and can't swim and panicking. Don't try to help them if you can't swim because they'll pull you right on there and have you drowning right along with them and step all over you and get up. Now you drowning and they're like, I can't help you. I can't swim. See that? It's very important. Very important, y'all. Boy, I can run my mouth. It's two hours went by. I don't measure the time. You know, I'll go on for three, four, five. Doesn't matter. I'll even take that drink of water. That <laughs> throat is still dry. I bet you one thing I'm going to get it now. Last night, I um, 
was a little too fatigued and I wanted to do this show and I fell out. I created the banner and I said, let me, uh, while, the, while all of this stuff melts together, let me just lay down on the bed. I did. I was out. So I'm going to try to make up today. But maybe not in one hour, but a couple of hours. We're going to do something. Do something more. I have a couple of things we're going to talk about. And maybe later on, maybe we'll come with a third one. I don't know. It depends on how my body feels. Self-care. See, before I used to beat myself down. But if I can do it the next day, what I was going to do the day before, not procrastinating, I have to get my rest. Because my sleep patterns are just off right now. So I'm going to flow. I may lay down right now, not even drink the water I want and fall out. I'm going to flow. And that's a beautiful thing. So anyway, just want to let you know I love you all. Take care. Leave your feedback on landscurve.com. Let me see if I have that actual article. I'll put it there. When y'all comment, comment on the blog. You're way to the bottom. Right? I appreciate that. Let me just drop that link here. I may pin it up. We'll see. Here we go. Sit right there. And I might just go ahead and pin it to the top. But I'm going to get ready to run. I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here. But I got a few things I want to do before the sun goes down. Because listen, if you're on the East Coast, it's 1102. 1102? Yeah, yeah. For me, it's 402. <laughs> so I'm later than you are in the day. Even though it messes me up because... I'm thinking on East Coast time. Oh, it's 11.02. No, it's not. <laughs> it's going to be dark in two hours, so I better get to going for anything I need to do outside, right? But um, I really appreciate you all. These little powwows we have, whether you make the live show, because I do have it at different times. There's no set time. But I do try to put down a certain amount of stuff each day. And um, I love the feedback and I love the vibes. And those who support in many ways, not just one way, but in many ways, as long as you have good energy with it, I'm going to rock with you no matter what. Because this is done out of love. And I do put up the ways of supporting monetarily because people want that. They ask me. I'm not out here. Hit the cash up. Hit the cash up. Hit the cash up. If you want to, fine. Because some of us are going through tough times. And I would never throw off on anybody because all the 23 years, over February, I'm saying it prematurely. The almost 23 years been doing this has been out of love. It still is. Well, you got to fix your computer sometime on the limited income and saying, whoa, I got to back off of this for a while. So any kind of love is good for me because I have it all for you. And I'll show it to you always by the time spent in an unconditional way. Because this is just brings me so much joy. I don't have time for a midlife crisis. I think I'm at 60 years old. I passed the time of a midlife crisis, right? <laughs> I heard, I, I, uh, what, what is it that the long jump or what is it uh, the pole fault? When you run at the long pole and you get over, I got over the midlife crisis time. I don't know about that. I'm too busy to have one. Busy in a good way, not in a frazzled way. But remember, self-care, y'all. Self-care. Even if you don't love yourself, care for yourself. Don't let any man stop you from caring for yourself. If you work hard for something and you want to purchase something or you want to take a day and walk down a certain street or you want to be in the bathtub with the candles and the music playing and that's what you want to do, do what you want to do. Of course, if you're in a relationship, you have to compromise. But if a person doesn't want to compromise with you, come on. If he ain't loving you, who's there to love you? You. 
You're going to be with you every second, every minute, hour, day, week, month, year, decade, from the time you're born to the time you leave and transition. Well, I think you have no choice but to be your best friend. Because no matter how close best friends are, they don't know you like you know you and what you like and what you need to do. No matter how foolish other people say it may be, oh, that's dumb. You want to do that? No, if it brings you joy, if it brings you joy, I don't care if you're 400 pounds and want to walk around the house with a thong and pasties on the high heels. If you want to do that, put the pasties on and put the music on, shake what your mama gave you. If you want to do that and it brings you joy, go ahead and do it. I ain't mad at you. Lance Gerve out. Much love to you all. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>